A friendly warning, this episode features some adult language, or as our guest put it. I want to apologize in advance because of my English. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of this and swearing and all this shit. (laughs) So if you've got kids around, throw on some earbuds. Hi, I'm Eric Connor, senior instructor at New York Film Academy. And in this episode, we bring you an actor who shared the screen with Hollywood legends, Michelle Pfeiffer, Kenneth Branagh, Judy Dench, Willem Dafoe, and Johnny Depp. And that was just from one movie, Murder on the Orient Express. He's also co-starred with Liam Neeson and Viola Davis in Widows, Tom Hanks in Greyhound, and rode alongside Denzel Washington and Chris Pratt as one of the Magnificent Seven. We're talking about Manuel Garcia Rolfo. Before appearing with all these Hollywood luminaries, proud to say he was a student at New York Film Academy. One thing that I really appreciate from this school, it's because uh, like I said, I took a lot of after this, I went to study in Mexico for a year and then I took here a lot of courses and that. But what NIFA really gave me was to work with the camera a lot. And most of the acting schools, they don't give you that. You know, it just makes you comfortable to be in front of the camera. And once you get out of here, when I did it, like I knew, uh, you know, the little um, kind of words they use and techniques of the camera and the filmmaking and all that, that they teach us. And some of the acting schools, they don't. They just focus on the acting craft, you know. So that was one of my favorite things. And... Yeah, and it was my first acting school, this one. So, you know, I really am very thankful with the school. I think the path of everybody is, uh, is going to be different. For me, you know, I graduated here. I took the one-year acting for film a long time ago. I think it was 2004. And after that, I just kept studying more and doing everything. I remember after this, I stayed here in the States for like one year and a half more. And I keep studying. I went to this school called Larry Moss Studio in Santa Monica and taking a lot of courses and just doing anything, you know, like doing any kind of uh, short film, theses, anything really, because that's, you know, you start getting experience and all. But yeah, I mean, just be there, be prepared, I think, and and shit will happen, I guess, you know. Part of um, stuff happening is how one role can lead to the next, especially if you do it well. I think every project every character that i've played you know it, you do one thing and then that brings you to another you know one short film brought me to a feature film that feature film my first feature film that i did it was a mexican film it was selected in the denver film festival and they invited me as a guest and a very well-known actor american actor he was there as well as a guest and he saw the film and after the film he came and he's like well your work i really liked it and uh, if you ever in l.a let me know and I can introduce you to my manager. So, you know, and I was a good manager and that manager got me another job. You know, what I'm saying is every project, even if it's very small, brought me to like more things, you know. As an actor starting out, Mr. Garcia Rolfo stayed focused and kept pushing, even if it meant taking roles that were not quite part of the long-term goal. I mean, I had very clear what I wanted to do, what my career wanted to be. And I did say, uh, even at the beginning, and you're fucking hungry, literally, like, you want to eat, you know, and you're hungry to work, and you have no money and everything, but uh, I had very clear what my career wanted it to be, so I said no to a lot of things at the beginning. 
Because in Mexico, I don't know if you know this, but uh, there's these things called soap operas, novelas. And, you know, I mean, some people like it, whatever, it's not my thing, you know. But um, they offer me a lot of that in Mexico, and uh, there's very good money involved, right, in these things, and they offer you the moon and whatever. And I remember being like, fucking hey, man, what? It's just a job, it's money, you know, it's fucking, well, whatever, let's just do it. And then my inside thing was like, no, this is not your path, because I think that to do the crossover, from soap opera to the things I want to do, it's very hard to do. So, yeah, I'm not saying say yes to anything. What I'm saying is, who am I to say what to do, you know? But uh, that was my thing. I did say no to things. And I mean, I worked for like four years, five years without getting paid, you know, doing short films and plays or whatever. Part of what made Manuel Garcia Rolfo's journey unique and more difficult was breaking into Hollywood as a Latino actor. One thing I could say, and not just to Latino actors, just to any kind of actor, is uh, buckle up because it's going to be a bumpy ride. You know, it's a tough career. It's a very tough career, and it's going to sound cliche, and it's going to sound fucking corny, but it will bring you down because it's very tough. And it doesn't depend on you a lot, and I think we have to uh, enjoy that as well. You know, nurture from those downs and ups and whatever, man. We fucking we have to just relax and. One of the things that I, you know, I work in myself is an element of not giving a fuck anymore. <laughs> I used to be very obsessed to please the director, or to please the audience, or to please my fellow actors or whatever. And that kills creativity and the artist in you, you know, if you come from that place of, you know, trying to please everybody. So I think uh, my advice would be to relax and just, I'm not saying don't give a fuck, don't come into the that director, peace or love. No, I, you know, do the work and be focused and all, but relax and enjoy the ride. I think now for us Latinos, uh, you know, the, the doors are open. I think Hollywood has changed little by little, has been changing the way they portray Latinos. So I think it's a good time for you guys to come. I mean, for us to come, you know. Rather than be discouraged, Mr. Garcia Rolfo took advantage of what made him different could be an opportunity as well, you know, that you have this accent or this whatever, you know. So yeah, maybe you can have them maybe embrace it, you know, <laughs> embrace the thing that can... I mean, I know actors that, very famous actors that, Mexican actors that they've been there forever and they never change their accent. And they could, I mean, I know that they work on it and they have the best accent coaches or whatever. They don't give a fuck because that's what it works for them. The world wants to see them with this sexy accent or whatever and... And they're like, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. I'm the kind of actor that I want to do everything. I want to play an American one day. And I think I can. I have to work on the accent, whatever. But but yeah, Hollywood puts you in a, in a box. and no, Not Hollywood. The audience, they want to see you as this and that. Mr. Garcia Rolfo's ride eventually got him the chance to jump in the saddle for the remake of The Magnificent Seven, directed by Antoine Fuqua. It's a job he landed, ironically, thanks to a part he didn't get. For this film, I auditioned before to, with Antoine, the director. He did a movie before this one called Southpaw, a boxing movie. I was going to play, I don't remember the story really well, but it was a boxer that plays against the main actor. So he, he saw me there, and he kind of liked me. He called me again, and he was like, Manuel, I like you, but it was, 
you're too tall for, you know, it's not gonna make a sense because, you know, because of the weights in boxing. So we left it, I'm like, oh my God, another one that is almost a... So for this one, he called me and we had a meeting and he's like, well, I, I really like you for this. The part was gonna go for another actor first because of, uh, you know, the studios wanted this actor because he's kind of famous in Latin America and he couldn't. So Antoine called me and he's like, oh, he just offered me the part and yeah. He relished the opportunity to play cowboy alongside an A-list cast, one which required him to bring his own A-game. I, I, I do have a favorite scene, which didn't make the cut. I think we're at the, at the bar, we're dining and we're kind of drunk, and then Chris Pratt talks about the Maria and this and that. <laughs> and that was a very fun, because it was improvised, everything. Most of it was very improvised. Antoine, the director, just left us there to play. The cameras kept rolling and we just went with it. And, you know, you have very good actors there, Vincent and Ophir and Ethan Hawke. And so you just have to bring your game. And it was so fun because we were all present and we were all committed to the characters. And it was just a bunch of guys just being drunk and doing stupid things. That was my favorite. And of course, the fact that it's a Western and you have this um, shooting and spinning guns and riding horses and grabbing your garage and spitting and all these things. And... As fun as it is to be paid to play cowboy with the coolest guys in Hollywood, the Magnificent Seven still had its share of difficulties. It was a very tough movie to do because we shot it in Louisiana in the summer. I've never in my life felt that heat in my life. Like it was, <laughs> and I loved it. I loved Louisiana, it was beautiful, but it's, it's too hot. So that was one thing. Because you know, you have this, uh, the wardrobe is leather and the pants are like they used to be of this very thick thing, boots and this and the hat. And the... So I think that was the, the hardest part. Also spinning the guns, because it was, uh, they're very heavy, they're real guns. We took like one month of training with the guns and with the horses. And you know, that was kind of hard because, um, but it was fun as well. I mean, I think every, all that helped the film, you know, it helped the, the ambiente, the atmosphere of the film, you know, of, of the characters and of the film, of the story helped us to be in that kind of heat and gave you the sense of, you know, being tied. Like on those days, you know, you imagine these guys Sometimes they didn't eat for I don't know how many days or hours or didn't have a river to drink water or whatever. So it kind of helped us to be, you know, to feel tired and fucking sweaty and that. And what about when it wasn't hot? When it rains there, it pours. So we had to stop for like three, four hours. You know, we were shooting. We had to stop for three hours because of the rain. And then after the rain came the lighting storms and you have to wait every time lighting heads, whatever, you have to wait 30 minutes because of safety. So, you know, like nature elements was like very tough things. And so it was a very long shoot. It was like five months shoot. So it's a very long thing. And then this, I don't remember the organization, but they shut us down, not shut us down, but because there was a lot of horses. And with the heat, they were like, the horses are hot. I'm like, motherfucker, what about me? <laughs> so, yeah, wait a minute. Like, oh, the horses, I uh, keep them in the fucking uh, AC, you know? <laughs> and I'm like in the sun with the fucking things. 
but you know, I mean, it wasn't like we were, you know, they need to rest for three hours or whatever. So, you know, we have to rest the horses. So it was, it was a tough shoot and so many extras and stunts and horses everywhere. But um, yeah, other than that, it went smooth. The Magnificent Seven was not his first Hollywood role, but it's the part that cemented his career in the States, leading to work in Murder on the Orient Express and Sicario, Day of the Soldado. And through all the downs and ups, Mr. Garcia Rolfo finds it crucial to keep a routine. When I'm not working, I have to do one hour reading. I have to watch one film a day. I have to play for 30 minutes music and I have to do one hour exercise. That helps me a lot because reading, it opens you everything, novels, and I think that's the most important thing an actor should do, uh, to read and to watch films and watch every kind of film. I mean, especially the kind of career you want to take, you, you kind of see those films, you know? But uh, I mean, I, I encur encourage, no, who the fuck am I to encourage anything? <laughs> and whatever, what I do is, listening to music, things that nature, your creativity and your, you know, because uh, as actors we're an instrument, so we have to trigger these emotions and always be sharp because we start growing up and we start changing. Like before I used to cry because my girlfriend left me, now I'm like, whatever. <laughs> you know, so you have to always keep uh, asking, uh, you know, like triggering yourself. So I say, read books, read novels, uh, any kind of poetry, films, good films, listen to music, go to museums, go watch art. I get uh, goosebumps because we have to be, you know, motivated by everything, even go watch a fight and, and that gets you uh, alive, you know? He also stressed the importance of not waiting around for a role to keep performing. Nowadays you can do you know, you have so many methods or whatever to shoot anything. You know, you have an iPhone. I mean, I, I just saw, I don't know, a couple of months ago, a movie called Tangerine, and they shot it with an iPhone. And it's brilliant. I loved it. You know, so you have like, just get together with your friends or your, I mean, you have the means here in the school and you have your writers and directors and just, you know, do your own short films, whatever, man, uh, do theater. So many things that now we can do is, uh, because the thing is, after school we have this, because it happened to me, you know, you have this thing of, oh, I need to work. I was obsessed with getting this to work. I need to get an agent, I have to work, work, work. And honestly, that kills you because you're obsessed now with, and it doesn't go, the creativity, the artistry, the, you know, with the, the sensitivity, with this thing of, ah, I need to make it, I need to make it. And it kills you, man. So just go for it and, uh, you know, instead of waiting for it, trying to go and uh, make it your own and do plays. It's, I mean, it's, it's very easy to do a play and you never know. You, somebody might watch that play and would say, hey, you, uh, come here. <laughs> <laughs> Part of going for it means taking a big swing for the fences. With a fair warning, that also means you might strike out badly. I remember being here after I graduated, I stayed here for like a year and a half more. And I was obsessed by getting an agent. I remember sending every day a headshot with my resume or whatever, my reel or whatever, nothing. We even had, because back in the day when I studied, they had these like very wealthy students, right? 
and I became friends with him. One was Colombian, don't ask me where the money came from. One was Colombian, whatever. And he's like, I know the solution for this. I'm like, what, what are we gonna do? All right, so we're gonna grab, there's a very nice hotel here in Beverly Hills called the Peninsula. The Peninsula Hotel, right? And he's like, if we're not getting an agent, we're gonna rent the Peninsula Hotel and we're gonna show our demo reels and then we're gonna show this short film that we did and we're gonna invite all the agents because the agents the big agencies are right in Beverly Hills, they're all together, right? So we start sending invitations, like very expensive invitations to the big agencies, CAA, whatever, whatever. We used to send uh, una canasta, Basket, a basket, thanks, full of chocolate and shit and with a fucking invitation, the poster of a film that we we're gonna show. Come see our this and whatever at the Peninsula Hotel, champagne after. It's like, this is it, we fucking made it. Man. So the big day came. I don't know how much money he spent. I'm sure like, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, the big day came and I don't think even my mother came. <laughs> Not even my mother show up. Yeah, at least I didn't pay, I didn't lose my money. Fortunately, he did not let that one pretty rotten night stop his dreams. Thanks to his perseverance and talent, his career has only gotten better with time. I, I think it's better to focus on your craft, keep studying and, you know, to feed yourself with these things and, and study and study. And I, I say after this, I don't know, if you have the money, Go to London and study in London. Go to New York and study, you know, different kind of things. And because if you worry about after this, I mean, it might, it may happen. I'm not saying it. there's no formula for it. And I think, um, in my experience, it was kind of, we even did that and it didn't fucking work. Hope it helps. <laughs> it's always great to see our alumni out there making things happen. We want to thank Manuel Garcia Rolfo for sharing his tales with our students. And thanks to all of you for listening. This episode was based on the Q&A, moderated by Miguel Cruz. To watch the full interview or to see our other Q&As, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash New York Film Academy. This episode was written by me, Eric Connor, edited and mixed by Christian Hayden, produced by Christian Hayden, Helen Cantaloftis, and myself, executive produced by the New York Film Academy. A special thanks to all our staff and crew who made this possible. To learn more about our programs, check us out at nyfa.edu. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. See you next time.